Welcome into another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, uh, flying solo this week as Nick Baumgartner is taking a few well-deserved days off, and then uh, we'll swap spots next week. I'm gonna can't really go anywhere, so I'm not sure what I'm gonna do, but at least step away from the computer and, and Twitter a bit, and and try to recharge uh, before free agency opens and the, the draft season really hits full speed over March and April. Um, you know, sort of sitting on pins and needles as it is after that flurry of Lions news in January and into early February with the coach and GM hirings, the coaching staff falling into place, obviously the Matthew Stafford trade, which we talked about on last week's episode. And uh, that's not going to be the end of it, I don't think, just sort of waiting around to hear what Brad Holmes' next move might be, because I think there are uh, certainly some some players on that roster who are going to be salary cap casualties when the new league year starts. There might be some guys he tries to dangle for draft picks if someone will take on you know, maybe a, a bigger contract or someone who was drafted by the old regime and d- doesn't necessarily fit into the plans anymore. Maybe one of those young guys with some upside, you try to get a, a day three pick or something for him. So I don't think we're anywhere near the finish line on what Brad Holmes is going to be doing between now and and uh, even the start of free agency, but certainly the start of the draft, you know, they're up to uh, six picks for this draft class. I think it's fair to assume that they'd like to be closer to double digits than six. So we'll see if they can come up with some more, either by trading down in round one, uh, moving some guys, maybe even moving one of those future firsts to get something on uh, day two or, or late in day one this year. I think the, the door is pretty wide open on everything. The coaching staff too still, uh, you know, might be dating this podcast by saying this uh, on Tuesday morning because I never know when these uh, developments are going to happen. But coaching staff still a, a couple spots to plug in there. But all in all, you know, I think uh, Dan Campbell is going to get high marks for what he's done there, not just at the coordinator spots with Aaron Glenn on the defensive side, Dave Fipp at special teams, and uh, obviously Anthony Lynn as a really high profile offensive coordinator hire, but. I think the position coaches are are pretty good. I mean, it looks really good on paper. And I think that, you know, in a, in a couple of months here that have been, I want to say, encouraging uh, for Lions fans just to, to see the direction of the franchise, or at least that the franchise seems to have a direction now, I think the coaching staff needs to be another check mark in the positive column because... Uh, one of the downfalls, certainly not the only one, but one of the downfalls of the Matt Patricia era was that his staff really did not do a great job at bringing along the young talent that they needed to be impact guys, uh, on that team. And, you know, there's been some outliers, certainly, uh, you know, Frank Ragnow should be a perennial pro bowl type guy. Kenny Galladay was a Bob Quinn draft pick. And now we're talking about him as maybe a, you know, 17 to $20 million per year receiver, so there have been players that got better over the past three or four years, but you know a lot of those even mid-round picks that Detroit needed to step in and and play huge roles in 2019 and 2020 didn't really turn the corner the way that they needed them to. And I think in a, a lot of cases, um, you know Tracy Walker last year, Jeff Okuda to some extent, you know that those guys regressed, and now it'll be on this next coaching staff to. Well, it'll be on Holmes first and foremost to figure out how many of these guys fit into the plans moving forward. And then it'll be on the coaching staff to make sure that these young talents are coming along. And I think that there's reason to believe that this staff will be better at it than the previous staff was. And, um, you know, I talked to Dan Campbell uh, two Sundays ago 
and for a story that went up on theathletic.com just about, you know, sort of his mindset and, and what he, I guess, is asking of the fans as they enter this phase. They don't want to call it a rebuild. Maybe it's the just sort of the, the optics of that word. They don't want to say it out loud, but it certainly sounds and is functioning like a rebuild as you trade away Matthew Stafford and now start talking about wanting to build through the draft and add draft capital and and maybe move on from some guys who aren't going to be here in, in three or four years. Uh, that That's how a rebuild works. And uh, so um, that's part of why Dan Campbell was so aggressive in going out after the coaching staff. And that's what he told me. You know, uh, I asked him just to, how it was all coming together there, how he, he put that staff together. And he said, you know, we don't know what this depth chart's going to look like uh, in 2021. We probably aren't going to have a lot of money to spend in free agency. We probably won't be super aggressive there. So there might be a time where we're starting, you know, three or four even undrafted college guys. We're starting a bunch of rookies, and we need to be able to develop them in a hurry, not just develop them for 2023 or 2024. We need to have them ready to play week one of 2021. And, And certainly this coaching staff, uh, you know, with its pedigree and and with its experience, I, I think again, there's a you never really know until we get into it, and it seems like this off season is going to be a lot of virtual stuff again until at least maybe June or July. So progress uh, could take a bit, but I think that there is um, at least uh, kind of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for once that the Lions might be able to not only add some pieces in this draft class who can help, but uh, bring along some of those younger guys. And so that's that would be a huge step forward from where they've been the last couple of years. So um, I guess we'll see how it goes. Before we get into anything else, I want to remind you to go subscribe to our show, rate us, review us. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Spotify, a bunch of other spots. Uh, I know people keep asking me on Twitter and in our Q&As about uh, the Athletic Podcast app. We are not on there yet, so I don't want to uh, don't want you to get caught searching for us for too long on there. We're not on there yet. We uh, wanted to get this rolling during the season um, and just sort of the the timing on the back end. We uh, launched it when there wasn't really an opportunity to get on the podcast. So I won't go into <laughs> don't want to get you bogged down in all the details. Long story short, it's not on there at the moment. We're hoping to be on there in the near future, but you can find us those other spots. We appreciate certainly everyone who has subscribed and and rated us and reviewed us so far, as well as all of you who have subscribed to The Athletic. And you can swing on over there. Um, always a subscription deal running if you're a new subscriber. Uh, I do have a couple of 30-day passes to give away if you want to check us out. Hit me up on Twitter. I think I have two or three of those left. So if, if you're listening and don't have us an Athletic subscription yet, want to give us a try. Uh, I'm at Chris Burke NFL on Twitter. Send me a message. And if you're, uh, again, one of the first two or three people who do that, I can help you out. So um, this week with Nick out, a little different approach to the show, uh, still talk some lines, but I wanted to sort of open things up to just look at the state of Detroit sports in general and brought on a couple of my uh, colleagues here at the athletic Detroit, James Edwards, the third, our Pistons beat writer, Max Baltman, our Red Wings beat writer, two guys who are very familiar with, uh, the process of rebuilding a roster and trying to bring a winner back to a, an organization that hasn't been in that position for a long time. So, uh, you know, there's, it's been a tough stretch for Detroit. I don't think that's any secret over the last five years and counting, uh, without too many victories, uh, to lean on in any sport. 
So I wanted to get James and Max in here to see if there's maybe a light at the end of the tunnel for anyone to, or if they're buying in, you know, those are two guys who have grown up around here and follow the lines. If they see any promise in what's happening in Allen Park with Dan Campbell and, and Brad Holmes in place. So again, you know, Nick out this week, we thought we'd try something uh, a little different before we get back into the nitty gritty of, you know, free agency and the draft and all the roster moves to come and the salary cap and all that. Lot, lots of time still to do that over the next couple months, but wanted to take a look at where things are in this city and, and sort of how the Lions slot in amongst all the teams that are trying to get back to championship caliber and uh, in most cases are a long way from it. So so I want to thank Max and James for coming on and uh, here's that conversation with them. Well, as, as mentioned, uh, Nick Baumgartner out this week, so uh, took a little bit of a, a left turn with the podcast and we're going to talk about uh, just kind of the state of Detroit sports as a whole here for the next uh, little bit. Joined by uh, our Pistons beat writer who's been killing it on uh, all the Derrick Rose coverage lately, which I'm sure we'll get into that trade here in a couple minutes. Uh, James Edwards III, you can get him at JL Edwards. Uh, I, 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 how do you, how would you pronounce the Twitter that, that, handle? That's, that's good. Yeah, no, you got it. <laughs> the third, I guess. Um, and check out the, uh, the Bon and Cardigan show, which is uh, his new Pistons podcast. And then uh, Michigan Daily Football Legend. Max Boltman uh, and Red Wings beat writer at M underscore Boltman on Twitter. You can find him at the Wings for Bre- Wings for Breakfast podcast. So uh, make sure you get over, hit both of those and, and cover all your bases here on Detroit Sports. Uh, also got the Tigers starting up here in a, a couple weeks down in Florida, I guess, if they can pull it off. So uh, guys, thanks for joining me. Um, I wish we had happier things to talk about. I wish we were talking about how all the Detroit teams were pushing for championships but we're kind of on the other end of this that's know, the 2031 right? episode <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to uh save that for next time we go to homes it's when one of our teams is destined for something greater than a sweep in the playoffs yeah and we'll do a podcast live from there <laughs> that's our spot in ann arbor i it got uh takeout from there a couple weeks ago just to be back in the building they, they got oh. the outside seating the fire pits are up so we're getting close 20- 25% capacity now. He might be able to go there anyway. Um, but yeah, so th- obviously the Lions have had uh, a lot going on. Uh, Matthew Stafford, not officially a Los Angeles Ram until March 17th, but um, that trade's done. His uh, wife, Kelly, has been posting nonstop Rams uh, updates on <laughs> Instagram if people are still following her. So uh, that one's happening. Um, obviously, new coach, new GM. Uh, Pistons. Very much in the midst of a rebuild. Uh, Derek Rose headed out this week. Uh, as mentioned, James is all over that, so I'll let him talk about that in a second. The Red Wings, I guess, are rebuilding. <laughs> I don't know. Are we doing a coaching search there at the end of this season? In, in With the Red Wings? Yeah. I mean, Jeff Blaschel's contract is up, so that's possible. Um, but, you know, they, they retained him after last year, the worst season in – uh, modern NHL history. So I, I also can't say for, for certain, you know, certainly they, uh, they, they weren't going to make a change this last offseason. There, there is a, it, it does kind of raise the question of what the, you know, what, what the basis for judgment is. And I think it, it is more to do with, uh, they want to see you guys developing and progressing kind of their, their young core players, uh, more than it's going to be about wins and losses. And so, you know, 
the interesting thing about that is there's really not that many young players for a rebuilding team. You know, Giovanni Smith is now kind of uh, carved his way in. It seems he had a really strong game their, their last game uh, against the Florida Panthers. He had a Gordie Howe hat trick actually, but there's really no rookies on this Red Wings team otherwise. <laughs> like it's Good. one of the weirder situations for a rebuilding team. Certainly the first time I've covered a, a Red Wings rebuilding team where they didn't have at least one rookie on the, on the, on the roster somewhere. So that is kind of one of the interesting dynamics of all this is I feel like that's the, the way you, that Jeff Blasher will ultimately be judged does have more to do with whether he's able to get this team progressing in the right direction and whether he's able to develop the rookies. But half of that equation doesn't really exist this year. So, and and the Tigers are, as I mentioned, are getting started soon, kind of maybe coming out of the other side of this thing. Young pitching's getting close. They just uh, hired AJ Hinch to be the head coach or the manager. Um, and they got, uh, you know, some, at least a couple veterans to sort of bolster that lineup a little bit. Um, the Pistons are, I guess, at the start of this thing. Uh, that, that was a crazy, like that draft weekend or draft night i guess those couple days were wild um but where where are they now i mean derrick rose gone they've been a very competitive five and 18 or whatever the record is uh um about as competitive as you can be to be uh 13 games under 500 at this point in the year but derrick rose now nick um i mean like is this uh do they have pieces in place that are going to be here when they're good again yeah, I mean, I think that's the hope. Um, like you said, Chris, like it's it's a competitive five and eighteen team, and you can make the case that this is like one of the best rebuilds in quite some time. I mean, I think it's piled up lately because of losses to Golden State, and they got smacked by Cleveland. But I want to say only three are by ten points. Three of their losses are by only are only by ten points or more, um, and they've had the toughest schedule in the NBA. So that, I mean, that says something. Um, in terms of who is around by the, the time the Pistons are quote unquote good again, I mean, I think Sadiq Bey is part of this this future. I think Killian Hayes for certain, um, Isaiah Stewart for certain. All all the three main guys drafted by Weaver in his first draft this year. Saban Lee, they like. I'm curious to see what his future is like. Obviously, it's clear they're making it known that he's destined for like maybe at, at most a backup point guard role. Um, Seku wasn't drafted by Weaver. Ed Stefanski's still around, though. Um, that hasn't stopped Weaver from trading the previous regime's players, as you saw um, on draft week. That was also when the moratorium opened, and the first two trades that Weaver does is Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard. Um, so I, I don't think Sekou's untouchable by any means. I, <laughs> yeah. I think they, they maybe wait a little bit, but I, if he was traded this year, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but the three rookies, for sure, are part of the future. Jeremy Grant, I think the Pistons goal is to be good by the time he's in his final year so he's in the first of a three-year deal right now or at least to be on upward trajectory and i think they hope that they can bring him back um for that once that new iteration of of good pistons basketball happens if it happens the rose trade it was it's interesting right because i mean you look at what they got back it obviously signals a rebuild you get a a 23 year old who's a top 10 pick and has struggled to find his way in the NBA and a second round pick. Um, but you know, you guys know fans tend to overvalue their own players and everyone's like, well, why not get a first for Derrick Rose? He averaged 18 off the bench last year. He averaged 14 off the bench this year. And it's he like won an MVP. <laughs> yeah. He won an MVP in 1962. Um, <laughs> it's like, it, I, maybe you wait to the deadline and, and you see what you can get back. But as me and Shams reported, like these two 
teams or these two sides like agreed that a trade would be best and the Pistons are not in any position to kind of piss off people and and show that they don't treat their players well and um so if if Rose wanted to be traded now the Pistons were I don't think they got anything much worse than they would have got if they waited at the deadline last year there was kind of the rumors I heard were like Alex Caruso in a second from the Lakers and Philly offered like two seconds in a player so it's like this is about on par where you're going to get from Derrick Rose Alex, Car- Alex Caruso's got that uh, elite like rec league headband game though, so I don't know if that counts for extra. <laughs> and he has the um, the Marv from Home Alone hair. Yeah. <laughs> like after he after he after it got burnt. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about Rose because the, the Stafford thing is sort of at the other end of this, where mm-hmm. it, you know they got to the end of the line, it was pretty obvious it was happening, but now you kind of do the the hindsight thing and wonder. Like even last night, I was sort of thinking. You know, like knowing how Matt Patricia wanted to play football and knowing the type of roster Bob Quinn wanted to build, it's it's strange to me they weren't more aggressive like two years ago when they were coming off six and ten and Stafford was thirty and they were playing you know, he was still playing at the high level, that they weren't more aggressive and sort of chasing something then if they wanted to kind of mold the roster in their image. But, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter now. I guess everyone's gone <laughs> from that. And I think that they're sort of in that spot that the the Pistons are in is trying to figure out, you know, you have a lot of guys here that are locked up to expensive contracts or look like they should be part of the future. Like Kenny Galladay is kind of a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Taylor Decker, who got a, you know, extension at the, the last regime. Like a lot of these guys that under normal circumstances you would expect to be here for a while, but you don't know when the regime changes happen if if the new guys are going to come in and just blow it up totally or if they're going to see some promise in there it's it's always kind of hard to to judge where things are going but uh, you know beyond just the player movement unless max you have anything to add on anthony mantha not being able to crack the lineup for the red wings <laughs> well it's not that he's not able to crack the lineup but uh <laughs> no i i don't have a ton to add they haven't actually haven't had availability since uh since that game and that that should happen in the next hour here so maybe i would have had an update <laughs> if we did this in the <laughs> afternoon but no not a ton there I'll, uh, you know i i, I think uh but on the player movement topic, like that would very much surprise me. I don't think this. Uh, I don't think that's grounds for for moving him necessarily. Well, the the part of the reason I wanted to get you guys on here is just because it's it has been such a weird year. And, you know, we're going on like it's eleven months now. I think since we started shutting things down around here. Um, yeah, and you know, there's uh, what well, the Pistons and Red Wings have like friends and family in the building is that or like the the red wings have been auctioning off tickets i think too right like there's they've got their like um it's like a season it's not it's not just a season ticket holders it's like something beyond that it's called like winged wheel nation um and so they've got uh yeah i don't know exactly how they're divvying them up but there's some people who are in this like specific club and then yeah i think it's friends and family beyond that but i don't know i don't know all the specifics it's 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 very murky in terms of like the fans that are in because there are fans but there is some type of for lack of a better term like program that decides which couple fans get in but it's primarily right. employees pl- player family um and then like yeah however the process is picked for a couple fans to get into so it's been kind of weird from that perspective i mean everything's been weird for a while now but just in terms of the fan 
fan reaction, I guess, to what's been going on around Detroit. It has been a little harder to sort of gauge, at least on my end, maybe not for you guys, but at least on my end to sort of gauge where people are because there weren't like there were some of those home games for the Lions this year where it was people would have just been like throwing things at Matt Patricia on the <laughs> sideline. And you kind of wondered how much was getting home to uh, ownership about just how upset the fans were. And I think given the moves they've made, it seems like Sheila Fordham's pretty tuned in to where this organization was and sort of where everyone was feeling frustration and all those sorts of things. But I guess, you know, um, Maybe I'll start with you, Max. Have you been able to get a sense for sort of how the fans are reacting to what's going on? Not just with the Red Wings, but sort of, I mean, there isn't really a good team, unless you're counting like Michigan basketball when they're playing. You know, there isn't really a good team around here, like even remotely good. So, (laughs) yeah. uh, Have you been able to get a sense? without the fans around of sort of where people are at right now. Wait, we well, should say Detroit City FC is good before go. oh, we God. before we uh, yeah. get yeah, before we get killed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yell that. Well, Chris, there's this uh website called twitter.com and that <laughs> tends to be a decent barometer for how fans are feeling. And so uh they're angry, I'll tell you that. Like it's uh you know, it, it's a it's an unsettled time though, you know? Like it's there, I can't think – I was trying to think about this the other day. Like how many cities have had all of their teams be bad at, at one time before? The only, the only thing I could think of really was like Arizona uh, kind yeah. of in the at the turn of the, the 2010s had a similar situation because none of their teams are ever like yeah. awesome, you know? Same with New York. New York. Although – no, you're you're right. You're right. I mean, the Yankees had their had their dip. That was probably the the key to that, right? Right. Right. And there's almost there's almost so many New York teams. You're gonna have a ton that are bad at any given time. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's just not that many instances where you know normally you would think, okay, well, you know, when the Lions are bad, people are gonna you know turn their attention toward the, the Pistons or the Red Wings or maybe the Tigers or maybe you're gonna get two of those teams that are bad at once or maybe only one is good at once and and that team just kind of absorbs all the. I don't know, attention and, 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 and doles out the good vibes that, that the city needs. This is a super passionate sports town. It's one of the things I love about living here, but right now, man, there's nothing. And, and I think, uh, you know, James mentioned that the Pistons are kind of in the early stages of that rebuild over there. And, and it's still in the, the happy feels thing because you're getting all the, all the rookies into the game and they're keeping it close. But re- reporting live from year four of a <laughs> – that gets old real quick. I'll tell you that. My thing with the wings, like I've been – Max can tell you, like I've been locked in on the wings to my own detriment this year. Like I'm back on. Like <laughs> yeah. I've grown up – like people might not know. Like I was – I've always been kind of a massive wings fan. So like this year I like decided to jump in now until things get good. And it is like tough for the like the wings because when you read and you just pay attention, like you expect there to be like progress – and I remember, like, last time we did this, I think we all probably would have said the wings were, like, yeah. NFL aside, because, like, that can change every year. Like, we might talk about it shortly, but, like, this could be the first time the Lions aren't atop of the rebuild rankings, just because it's, like, kind of clear that nothing's going to, like, be substantially It'd better. Be a bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the wings were kind of always on top of that, but, I mean, I don't know now, just because with how rookies are in the NHL and it takes time for them to get over um or new draft picks and there hasn't like yeah there's no progress made so it's like very it's very weird how this has kind of shifted in literally like a year yeah i think 
at the last time we did like a rebuild roundtable, and that would have been in the written version on the Athletic. I think it was. I think we did it on the day of the MLB draft. Does that sound right? I think it was around there. Because yeah. Because I, I remember that at least one or two of us were, were already starting to pick the Tigers at, by that point because it, it was just starting to come into view that like, okay, like, you know, this is the team that has maybe the couple top prospects who are, are not only in the system, but like James alluded to, like actually about to make it. Like Mize and Scooble were about to debut. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas you look at like the Red Wings and, and I think Mort Sider will, will come to the NHL as soon as he's able to, which may not be until next season. Um, but Lucas Raymond's going to take a little bit of time and, you know, they, they've got other prospects over there who I think are going to need time to adjust Jonathan Berger and Albert Johansson, guys like that. You know, there may, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this year's 2021 draft when that's going to be held. The Red Wings may not be drafting another player for some time yet here. Um, and, and the Tigers, you look at them and you say, okay, they have actually the, the guys in the system. And so as much as I would want to say that's the next team to really do something, you also look at what they've done to to build anything out around those guys for when they arrive, and <laughs> yeah. it's actually nothing. There's been nothing done to, to get yeah. the, the yeah. group ready for when when Mize and Riley Green and, and Torkelson get there. So that that I think is the the weirdest thing about this is that there's you know the, the Tigers are even deeper into their rebuild than the Red Wings are, and there's still no real obvious timeline for when it ends, and that's the most daunting thing. Yeah, uh, I think part of it, too, is that just you kind of look at, I mean, the Tigers have, you mentioned those pitchers, you mentioned Riley Green. I guess with the Red Wings, you'd be looking at, you know, Sider, uh, Raymond, maybe Dylan Larkin, I guess, is probably still in that category as as the captain and a a young guy. But these, it's really hard to accelerate those rebuilds, as you guys both have written, you know. The Pistons and Red Wings are not getting the lottery luck that you need to sort of fast forward these things either. And the Pistons um, haven't done themselves favors until this year to get that lottery luck either. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's sort of where, you know, when I look at the Lions, I kind of wonder like if it's this year or next year that they take the leap and try to find the guy who's really the centerpiece for what this is going to be, you know, over the next four or five years, because I don't know. Maybe, you know, DeAndre Swift, maybe is you argue he might be that guy, but I think you really need the quarterback. I don't know that's going to be Jared Goff. So I just, you know, you kind of wonder when that moment's going to happen for them. But it it is just, it's kind of baffling because we started doing the, the first time we did a rebuilding roundtable on the, on the site was what, two or three years ago. Had to be and at least after and we had some drinks at home. Andre yeah. Drummond and Matt yeah. Stafford. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's somehow gotten, worse since then which I think has been the biggest surprise for me like I thought there was going to be some tangible progress from at least one or two of these clubs by now and again I think you can argue that the Tigers have at least made some of that and and maybe the Pistons have started to and like down the line but I thought there'd be more I thought by this time we'd be watching it like at least one team that was fighting for like kind of a back end playoff spot, and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen unless the Red Wings are about to rip off four no, or five wins in a row. Yeah, and it's it's super interesting because I was getting that when the Pistons kind of unveiled that it was rebuild time, which I think was the perfect time to do it. No fans in the seats. Um, Troy Weaver's very aggressive in his transactions. This draft is deemed by many to be one of the best in quite some time. But like I was getting, it was so funny. I was getting like tweets like. No, like we want, we need one team in the city to be good. We don't want the Pistons to rebuild. I'm like, this is the team in the city that needs to rebuild the most. 
Like they've been the one team in the city that's actually like made the playoffs the last two years or the last couple <laughs> years. They've yeah, tried right. it. Like I know you guys, like not you guys, but like the fans don't haven't paid attention to what the Pistons have been doing, but they have had two playoff appearances in the last five years. Um, and if any team like has been stuck in the middle for so long, it's been the Pistons. And I think just by the fact that they embraced and are acknowledging that like Dwayne Casey came out and literally said last night that this it's a we've picked a direction and it's one that's needed to happen for a long time with this organization like he's kind of annoyed that it took until he got here that they finally rebuild like they should have done this in 2010 um and that they probably see progress but it's like i think detroit the pistons i have to say the pistons because everybody's detroit um the pistons just by acknowledging and acting on a rebuild i think they've made progress because in the nba it's similar to the nfl where it's like yeah, the the top if you get the top pick, the Pistons probably won't make the playoffs next year, but there's something if everybody's as good as they think they are. Obviously in the NFL like you get one guy that could there's only so many teams, only so many teams that make the playoffs. Football's just different. Like you can make the playoffs with with that guy if he's legit, but in the NBA like getting that guy and seeing what he can do like that you can start forming around that and with Jeremy Grant playing the way he is, like I think the Pistons I'd still probably put the Tigers at number 1. Um, but with the Pistons being the worst team in the league and very likely for a top three pick in this draft with at least four or five guys that people think can be multiple time all-stars, of course you need to see it play out. But I think the Pistons probably went from last to at least second in the, in the Detroit rebuild. I think that that's definitely the sport where, you know, number one, you get a guy other than the NFL, you get a guy out of the draft to come in and make a difference right away. Like that yeah. to me is, is the big difference maker there of, you know, I think if, even more so in the NBA than the NFL, frankly, like that's just fair. what that league has been. There's like four guys in the NBA that are going to win the championship yeah, in any no, given year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and so like, you know, you get the right guy and I, I know there's not necessarily like a John Morant in this draft or whatever, or Luka Doncic, but uh, if a guy like that, who you find in the top three comes in, he completely transforms your outlook single-handedly. And that's just not the case in really any other league. You know, yeah. like like if, if the Red Wings were to get a Crosby, okay, then maybe. But those guys don't come around more than once every 10 to 15 years, if right. that. Um, and, and so if the, uh, you know, if the Lions get, you know, even if they got like an Andrew Luck, you know, it, it, you still got to build around that guy. And, and I like the the Lions O-line, so that's not really the problem. But you still got a whole defense you got to build out. You almost need the the Aaron Donald or the Khalil Mack more, as, as much at least as you need the, the Andrew Luck or whatever right now. At least before you get that guy, yeah. Ideally, yeah. Ideally, yeah. you want – I think you want the defense in place first. I know there's different theories on uh, on the timeline for how you need your, your, your rebuild built out in the NFL though. Do you have any sense, Max, for – because, James, you mentioned that Troy Weaver is going to be aggressive. He's already been aggressive. I think Brad Holmes, beyond the Stafford trade, like I don't think that's going to be a one-and-done deal. I think they're that's the start of a lot of transactions coming over the next few years for the Lions, probably with similar goals in mind to try and shed some guys who aren't going to be here in two or three years and get more draft picks and maybe pick up uh, some some dudes in their like mid-20s to, to slot in on that depth chart. He's going to be aggressive – Al Avila has, whether he's being hamstrung by ownership or not, has gone the other way and is just, you know, be patient. Here's a bunch of one and two year contracts for veterans to hold down the fort so we don't lose 130 games. But it's, you know, this is like a seven year rebuild. Right. Where's Iserman fall? Do you think he's like if he sees a window this next offseason to get the wings to a second wild card spot? 
in a year? Like, does he pounce on that or is this going to be patient? Well, number one, I don't, I, I don't think there would be one guy who could do it. I don't know that McDavid gets into the playoffs next year, to be honest. Oh God. Like, <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's just, uh, it's going to take more than that because I mean, maybe, maybe they, maybe, but you think about it, like McDavid's already there with Drysaddle and Edmonton and they're, they struggle to get into the playoffs year in, yeah. year out. Yeah, like, true. And, and so you add them into Detroit and, and now it's McDavid and Larkin and, and there's things about Larkin's game that I like more than Drysaddle's game, but Drysaddle's the reigning MVP, you know, like I, I think maybe there's a better compliment in, in Larkin's two-way game to, you know, Drysaddle and McDavid are both really offense first and trending toward offense only players, although they've both been better this year uh, in terms of two-way play, but um, you know, there's not, I don't think, one move that Iserman could make to do that. And so I, my my sense is the it's going to be all through the draft until there's really that, you know, I, I think they'll make incremental upgrades around the margins every year. I mean, they brought in four or five really good free agents mm-hmm. um, this offseason, and I kind of expect they'll, they'll just do that every year, in part because they don't ever want to drop – from what I can gather, six rookies into the lineup in one year. Like if next year it's more at Cider and Michael Rasmussen, Joe Valeno, all kind of as, you know, Rasmussen won't technically be a rookie because he had that one year in 2018, 19, but those other two as true rookies, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, a veteran, a bunch of veterans brought in around them. And, and, you know, you just hope that those veterans are are more like the John Merrill, Troy Stetcher, Bobby Ryan additions um, than the guys who are going out, which is your Valtteri Felpolas, your Darren Helms. Those are guys with expiring contracts this year. And I think if you do that, maybe you can make enough incremental upgrades to to look more um, like a, you know, a bottom 10 team than a bottom three team. But I, I have kind of resolved that until they prove otherwise, I kind of got to pick them in the bottom three, bottom five here because I, I thought they were going to take a step forward this year and they have had some rough luck on, on the COVID list and with injuries. They've really only had their whole lineup for two games, one game actually, um, maybe two games. But uh, yeah, two games. And, and other than that, you know, it's it's been in and out, but Man, I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't see that big leap coming in in one off season. I think maybe if you look to the twenty twenty two twenty three season, that you could get like a rookie Lucas Raymond. Maybe you're getting a, a another rookie out of one of these next two drafts that are really high end players. You get the right free agent addition. Then I think you could talk about making the leap from you know bottom five to to the cusp of the playoffs. But I, I think it's a it's a longer view thing. It might even be longer view now than I thought it was eight months ago. We got a bunch of reviews on this podcast the last couple of weeks um, telling us how much they appreciated us keeping things like fairly forward looking and positive with the Lions now that they Not made bad. all those moves. And we, we just have <laughs> I've thrown all of those out the window in the last 25 minutes. But I ask you a question, Chris? Yeah, yeah. What are the odds outside of Justin Fields at pick seven? If Fields is off the board, do you think that the Lions – still take a quarterback do you want to talk about how you believe in jared goff first or do you want me to go yeah first? let's do it like i my <laughs> my jersey wanna, ordered yeah. i don't want to put you on the spot no but i will texted do it. me like four minutes after that trade happened. <laughs> i said don't talk me out of it either didn't i or something like that um I think, yeah something like that yeah so this is my thing i'm and me and max have gone it's never gotten heated but we've gone back and forth <laughs> as recently as super bowl sunday I like Stafford. Stafford's a good quarterback. Um, I just, 
I'm excited for somebody new. And even if it's just golf, who um, really good start to his career, very poor last two years, still very young. Like to me, there's something about Detroit and really all sports, not just the Pistons and all sports have kind of made, I guess, maybe some of their best runs when like they get guys from other organizations that not necessarily come over like looking for new life, but like, I do think there is something about like the mentality of Detroiters and Detroit in the city and guys who are like kind of Jared Goff, like, yeah, Jared wasn't good, but it, it seems like that situation like wasn't (laughs) beneficial to him for the last two years. It did not seem like a happy environment to be in if you're Jared Goff. No, not at all. And he, and he had talent. He has talent. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm very interested to see if he, like, takes this second opportunity seriously. Now, with that said, you have to have good players around you. Um, and that's, I mean, been Matthew Stafford's issue uh, since he's been here. But I'm excited for golf. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write that one off. I, I think what I saw his first two years excited me. And I'm going to chalk up more of the last two years, aside from, like, he had some bad turnovers. But, I mean, so did Stafford. Uh, the last two years to he was in a situation that was like almost felt like toxic so i'm curious to see how that plays out yeah i mean i think it'll be interesting and i like anthony lynn uh, as their offensive coordinator has shown he can uh, you know do a lot with different types of quarterbacks and do a lot with the run game so that'll be uh you know i'm kind of curious to see how that goes together i think mark brunel will be really interesting as the quarterbacks coach um and yeah i mean I, i really liked golf uh, coming out of college, I mean, I obviously wasn't alone there. He was the top pick in the draft, but I, I thought he could fit pretty much wherever he landed. And you know, then for two years he was really good. And I, you know, I tweeted out a few days ago, like in 2018, he was one of the best downfield passers in football. Um, and then the last two years, you know, Brandon Cooks left and Todd Gurley left, and the offensive line wasn't as good, and uh, it kind of all fell apart. But I think if you give him some guys out there I, I mean I, I don't think he just totally forgot how to play quarterback over the last year and a half like I think he's a guy that you can at least you know go out there and, and stay in games and, and win a few with so I, I am curious to see how that plays out I think there's some upside there to answer your question though um, I think if the Lions zero in on a quarterback Brad Holmes is going to be aggressive to go up and get him because that was the play for Jared Goff like his his sort of baseline for building out a franchise is that you need to have the centerpiece guy. You need to have the quarterback. And maybe they look at Goff and say, we think he can be that guy. Let's give him a couple years. We, you know, he's still got that in him. I, I bought into him once and I'm going to give him another shot. But I do think there's a possibility that they use all these draft picks they just got. And if they're really, you know, in love with someone, they go up this year or they try to get to the top of the draft next year and pick someone. It's tough this year because Trevor Lawrence is going number one and he's clearly the best quarterback in this draft. So that, you know, puts you into the spot of who's number two, but I really like Zach Wilson a lot. I think Justin Fields is going to be really good. And Trey Lance is probably a perfect guy if you're going to start Jared Goff for a year or two because I don't think Trey Lance is going to come in and, and start right away. Um, you know, just the competition level he was at. He played one game this year. Um, Zach Wilson, though, man, I was just I was just watching him yesterday. He's uh, he's pretty entertaining. Like he definitely looks like 
I mean, it looks like watching. It looks like Baker Mayfield in college, except he wants to throw the ball downfield as much as possible. Like his first instinct isn't to take off and run; it's to try and find someone deep, which is pretty interesting. So, um, I don't know. I, I like. I wanted to, like we got a few minutes left here. I just wanted to. You guys both follow the Lions. This is the Lions podcast. What are your thoughts about what's going on with this team? Like Matthew Stafford's been the quarterback since you know for 12 years yeah <laughs> it's this is looking different than it has this is going to be different regardless of what the end product is this is going to be different than it has been in a long time so I, are you excited for where this thing's headed or are you worried that this is going to be like another failed regime and we're here three years from now with no quarterback and 10 wins <laughs> over three seasons i like a lot of the moves they made i, I really like the the front office moves that they made with uh with both with holmes and also with dorsey i mean i think that's a, a big time yeah addition sure. that, that has to give you a little more confidence in just the you know the overall general direction i i love having someone with a with a college scouting background in charge especially now that they have this war chest of picks like you know you mentioned going up for the qb i'd almost want to let Brad Holmes sit there and, and, and pick in the first round, which is something he hasn't gotten to do a whole ton in LA and, and see what, yeah. if he's turning out really good players in you know, rounds two through five in, in LA, like, let's see what he, what, what he can do. And when he's sitting up there in the top 10 to 12 for, for a few years here, like that, that gets me really interested in, in what he could do, you know, like, but, you know, with, with, in terms of Stafford, like, I think that the thing that they need to avoid is, is trying to replace him too quick and, and get the next guy, like, too quick in a way that that rushes it because I think Goff is certainly a a competent quarterback like you know I know ultimately it seems like they almost got a a better return because they took his contract on but I kind of think that has more to do with the money than it does the the player like you know Goff's a top 32 NFL quarterback is that fair to say (laughs) Uh, yeah I mean not setting the bar super high but yeah I, I think he should be starting next year somewhere in the NFL so yeah I don't think it's like like they're not it's not starting Chase Daniel next year. Like they're starting a guy who's got experience. He's played in the playoffs. He can throw the ball around like he yeah, you can win with him if you play well. And yeah, if you I, don't, then you're going to be in position to draft another quarterback. So I I just think like you use use this pick on on your Jamar Chase or your Micah Parsons or or whatever you got to do there and and trust that if you're not getting one of the top 3 quarterbacks in in this draft class, unless for whatever reason like your number 2 guy falls to you at at 7, and just wait on your quarterback and, and and build up something so you got a, a real team in place when when your guy yeah. gets there. You can almost have the the Herbert effect, I guess. Yeah, I'm with Max on that. Like that's why I asked you that question, Chris, because I'm in the camp of if there's not somebody that you're 80 percent confident will be a longtime starter in the NFL at quarterback at pick seven, don't do it. Build out the rest of the team. Hell, even if it means get a receiver, I know people are losing their minds over that. I've seen that. Like just build out the rest of your team and and find that quarterback later if you trust Brad Holmes enough. Um, he'll find one wherever. And I, I think competency is the biggest thing I've I've taken away from these last few months, which has not been the case at all my whole lifetime with the Lions. So like <laughs> that gets me excited. Like, for example, Stafford, great quarterback, clearly with what they had around him, it wasn't going to work, but still it took until twelve years into his career for somebody to like say, Okay, like we need to shake this up. And for them to come in and the first real thing they do is shake it up and start over like that's that's a sign to me. It, it's the ability to look in the mirror. Other people the Lions have hired haven't looked in the mirror. There's like I can fix this. We can we have Stafford. We can get it work. We can put this piece here, this piece there, and we can get it to work. Well, they've not been able to get it to work. So we finally have somebody that's coming in and not saying it's Stafford's fault, but clearly 
everything around him hasn't hasn't gelled. So now you're coming in where it's like we're going to start clean. We're not going to look and say see that we have this top twelve, top fifteen quarterback, and we're going to make it work with him. No, we're going to start fresh and build what it seems like they're going to build a real NFL roster um, at some point in the next two to three years. So I'm excited for that. Competency is the the word I took away from the Lions offseason so far. Yeah, I'm uh, a big I, Stafford like defender, but I I think the one thing that James just said there that I that I think is is very fair is I think like Stafford almost could be a like a band aid or a crutch sometimes over the last few years that even yeah. when the team kind of really obviously needed to to reset it was like yeah but how do you do it when you got one of the what I think is top ten to twelve quarterbacks in the league like your best quarterback in franchise history like how do you not try to take full advantage of that in any given year. And with that gone, I think it, they they have to confront some some deep and they have like some some deeper rooted issues and and really restart the thing. And I think that is a is a perfectly fair point. Yeah, and that's why I say like looking back on it, I do wonder if like Bob Quinn just wasn't willing to be aggressive enough to make to pull the trigger on something like that over the last year or two. Because last offseason, these trade rumors really picked up a ton too, right around the combine, and mm-hmm. um, he kind of shot him down pretty quickly, but. Uh, I you know wonder if it was just a matter of someone coming in and being aggressive. And in fairness, Stafford held up the mirror and forced them to look in it uh, yeah, <laughs> and ask right. for his way out. Yes, but absolutely, um, you know that again. You know, I think they got a good trade out of this, and and we'll see where it goes. So um, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up there. I want to thank Max and James um, for for hopping on today, helping out. Uh, again, you can uh, go check out there podcast um wings for breakfast and the bun and cardigan show is that right bun yep. and cardigan? did i get it in the right order you did yeah i was nervous i had it backwards uh <laughs> <laughs> which uh has better production value on its uh t- teasers than anything you're gonna get from us the tra- <laughs> trailer 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 was James. pretty good man thank you uh, i don't have much time <laughs> appreciate them coming on uh I'm out next week, so uh, I'll leave it to Nick to fill you in on what's going on then. But uh, until then, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.